tonight we're starting a brand new series and we're going to look at this, this, this subject of does God speak to us and then how does God speak to us and I'm fully aware that this is a little bit of a controversial subject. Uh, I'm fully aware that people have different opinions on this and they have different thoughts on this. I think that one of the reasons that people are so afraid of this or so concerned about this is because of this issue that a lot of times that uh, some really strange people or crazy people are telling us some things that God said to them, and we know God wouldn't say that. I mean, there's some crazy people that we'll see in the news or a courtroom scene that will say, God told me to kill that person. God told me to drown my children. Uh, God told me to, to rob. Or, my, or, or we'll see people justify some things that, and say that they, 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 they heard from God. And so I think one reason that sometimes we look at this issue is God speak to us, and, and if we're not careful, all the negative that we hear, we can think, you know what, that's just kind of for crazy people. We just kind of put that in the crazy box. And, and I, I will never forget back when we were at, at uh, Hogue Hall, and they're still meeting in temporary facilities, we had a man that came up to me after the service, and he says, he says hey, by the way, God spoke to me uh, in the service about something that you're supposed to do. And don't you hate that when someone does that? And so he says, he says, God spoke to me and said, if you will take the offering and go buy lottery tickets with it, you will win. And then we'll build a church and we'll have a church. And, and so I didn't do that, but, uh, I've kept them all these years, but three weeks later, this, this showed up in the offering. So uh, he must have, they're lottery tickets. And so uh, he must have gone out and said, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. And so the interesting thing is, is he scratched them off to make sure they weren't big winners, I think. <laughs> I wished I had a thought quick enough and said, well, you know what God told me? God told me some crazy person was going to tell me to buy lottery tickets. <laughs> But, you know, we've heard all sorts of different things about how God has spoken to some people, whether, whether you're supposed to marry me or you're supposed to date me or, or we're supposed to be together or I'm supposed to be, or you're supposed to be my very best friend. And we've heard people say that. And let me tell you, as we get going, and you know what? We had planned this for four weeks, and I'm worried that it's going to be longer than four weeks. And uh, there's just so much scripture that I had to cut and stuff. The Bible is full of stuff about from the Old Testament to the New Testament of how, about how God speaks to people, how God desires to speak to people. And this is something that we all got to learn. But let me just tell you, I have a confession. Many years of me being a believer, I never heard from God. I never heard his voice. I never really experienced what you would hear some people say. So please, tonight, don't start doubting your salvation if, because you may not have learned to hear his voice yet because I was in that camp. Over the years, I've met many people, many Christians that lived holy lives, fully devoted to him, that would say to me, I've never really heard from God. I don't know what that means when you talk about that, about how God gives you a verse or how God gives you something. They talk to me about, I've never really experienced that power in my life. I've never really experienced those miracles that some people sometimes talk about and, and, and say. And, and so the, the proof that I have that God speaks to us is not only in the Bible, but and he speaks to me. And he speaks to many of you in this room. I mean, 
In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 33, you don't need to turn there, but, but, but they, they said in, in Deuteronomy, the difference of the Israelites' faith than everybody else's faith is that they hear from God. That's one thing that set them apart. Isn't that one thing you probably or you should want to know about me? Not about my education, not about my past, not about whether I'm from Texas or not and all that other stuff. Isn't the one thing you expect of me as your pastor that I hear from God? In the Old Testament, it said the thing that set believers, Christ, or God followers apart was they could hear, hear from God. The New Testament, Apostle Paul in Corinthians, when he was speaking to a group of people about their idols, he made this comment. He says, your idols are speechless. They're mute. They're dumb. They cannot speak. The one thing in the Old Testament to the New Testament was this, is that we were followers of God that not only could he would speak to, but that we could hear him speak. I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot get over the fact that a triune God wants to have a conversation with me, wants to communicate to me. I mean, uh, John 10, 27, and you don't need to turn there. We'll be in Exodus in a second, but... He makes his statement that Jesus says, my, my sheep, believers, my sheep, hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. Matthew 10, 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, What you hear me whisper to you in secret, proclaim from the rooftops. I mean, there's this relationship when you look in Scripture about a God that wants to have a relationship with us and wants to, to communicate with us. And, and God speaks that is consistent, listen, that is consistent with Scripture, that is consistent with His character to where you can imagine Jesus doing what he's asking you to do. Yeah. God, God first spoke to me that I can remember. I was mission, doing mission uh, in Beattlestock, Poland, and, and I was away from, of course, everything, and I was back in, you know, no cell phone days and uh, no communication with whatever was going on back here. And I'm reading along, and, and just so you know, I've never heard the audible voice of God. God has always spoken to me through his word. And I'm reading along in consistent reading in Psalms uh, uh, 2710, where the scripture just basically says that their mother and father rejected them. And so the Lord was ready to receive them. And something happened in my spirit. And it was like that scripture illuminated or, or jumped off the page and I knew that scripture was for me and when that happens to me I quickly date it and put it in the margin of my Bible I thought I was going to come back and worked with handicapped children with autism or, or downs or something in a church that because many times they're rejected 
And so I get back, and I was only in town a couple of weeks, and Karen was talking to someone at our church, a lady that, that had a heart and to start a, a youth at risk ministry for the Crips and the Bloods and the little Latin kings that, that many had been kicked out of their families. And, and she looked at Karen and said, uh, we're, we're looking for a man to lead this. And Karen came home and said, that's the ministry for you. See, God speaks, but God also will confirm it, whether he confirms it by circumstances, whether he confirms it by relationships. That's why it's so important to be a, a part of a church and in a, in, a, in a body of a church. Another time God spoke to me and I started, I started learning the, the voice of God. I started learning. Listen, let me just tell you when, you, when you look at scripture, it's a learned behavior. It's learned. It's something that's developed. It's something that you become accustomed to. You, you can't explain it. I mean, I mean, try explaining the voice of a friend or a spouse to someone else that doesn't know them. They wouldn't be able to recognize that voice. But it's something you know because it's personal. And it's, you recognize it. First uh, Kings chapter 19. I'm reading alone. And uh, come to the part with Elisha and Elijah. And Elijah comes to Elisha. Elisha had a secular job. He was a, uh, a rancher. He had a bunch of cattle. And Elisha came to him and, and called him into ministry. And something happened with me with that story. It was six months later, and Kurt came to me and said, I feel like the call of God is on your life. Would you, would you consider going into ministry and planting a church in, in Pueblo, Colorado? And I, I had the option, even at that point, to come to Pueblo and, and go bivocational, in which I'd, I'd work for the church and then work at a, uh, at a company here or Springs or wherever. And, and so we talked about that. But, but the promise that God gave me in 1 first, in first Kings 19 was when Elijah called Elisha into the ministry. The first thing that Elisha did was take all of his cattle, slaughter them, take his barns, builds a big bonfire. In other words, he has a Texas barbecue. He liquidates everything. He burned the ships. So there was no going back when you had that day of doubt or that day of discouragement. And I'm like, I can't do that. I've got to burn the ships. I've got to totally sell out and liquidate. Because it was, it was out of his word and he, and he spoke to me in a, in a very special way. And then you, you read the story on. And you find out that when Elijah, when God called him away, Elisha became the pastor. That was a part of the story that I did not want to talk about. Because it scared me to death. I'd never been a pastor. I'd never done this before. In the day when Kurt was called away, I know. Because of his word, he speaks through his word. And... I became the pastor here, and uh, it was scary. It was, a, it was a hard transition for me personally, and uh, th then you get a lot of voices speaking. Do you ever have that? You got a lot of voices in your head? Uh, uh, other people. <laughs> Back to crazy people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. 
Uh, but you got a lot of people trying to speak into your life and tell you what you should do and how you should do it and the way that you should do it. If you do this, it'll be a disaster. And if you don't do this, basically they want you to kind of do it their way. And so you got a lot of these voices in. You realize that's why we have to hear from him. We have to hear from him in such a way that all the other voices pale. Not that we ignore them, not that we become arrogant, but that we know what God has called us to do. And I will never forget, it was, it, was a, it was a scary day. It was a difficult day. I could no longer hear from God. Everything got to be just chaos and just blurred, and I could not. I got to the point, I could not hear from him. And I was scared. To, that scared me more than anything. And so I got there in the morning, and I went into my office. And before I went in, I told Jennifer Parker, who was our receptionist at the time, I said, Jennifer, I don't care. I don't care who calls. I don't care who wants to come see me or whatever. I am... I, I, I cannot see anyone. And I went in there and I am literally journaling and crying out to God and praying and say, God, you know what? I have to be able to hear your voice. See, Elijah said this. Elijah said that God help me circumstantially, help me within circumstances to know that your spirit rests on me the same way that it did Elijah. That became a prayer of mine. I said, God, I got to know. I got to know. And so I'm I'm having this conversation, and it was one way at that point because I had a hard time hearing. And then there was a knock on my office door, and uh, I was frustrated because I said, do not be disturbed. Hello. And I went to the door, and, and I got Todd Sipe. Todd Sipe's here in the service. And Todd Sipe is standing there with his look on his face, kind of awkward. And he says, hey, I, I, I know the instructions you gave Jennifer, but... Now, I got to tell you, I got this book, and I've read it, but it's really for you. And God has laid your name on my heart, and I just got to be obedient to him. I, I don't want to talk. I don't really want to visit. I just want to hand you this book, and I'm going to leave. And the book is, is a book that I read every year. It's called Listening to the Voice of God. Stuff happens. Man, I, I, I told Jennifer after Todd had left. Man, I told Jennifer, I says, you know, uh, I'm packing up. I'm, I'm leaving, not for good, but uh, <laughs> I'm leaving. And I took my Bible and I took my journal and I took this book. I drove out to uh, San Isabel, Lake San Isabel, sat on a rock next to the water. And uh, I devoured this book. And it has notes and it has highlights in it went to the scriptures, I journaled, and I understood more about his voice and how to recognize and hear and how to respond to his voice. fact is, when I, when I got back, Roger Barrier is the author, and, and I wrote uh, Roger Barrier a letter and just kind of told him what, what had taken place, and he calls me. In, in, the, in the front of the Bible, I have his direct line, I have his cell phone. I have his home phone. I mean, I have almost everything but his social security number. I mean, I have like everything. And we started this dialogue and we started talking about the book and principles and how God speaks and how God communicates to us. I mean, it's powerful, right, when you read a book. But it is really powerful when you get to talk to the author. Do you realize we have that ability within the Christian life 
It was the Holy Spirit that inspired, wrote the text, and it is the Holy Spirit that will apply it to your life if you'll read it. I mean, it is powerful when you and I can grab that, and so many believers don't read God's Word. Listen, you do what you value. Whatever you value in life, you will do. Man, I'm telling you, and I don't even know if I should tell you, but I'm going to risk and tell you. I'm preaching through Joshua. And I, and I know this may sound weird, but for me, there's multiple conversations going on. One is a con- conversation I'm having with you. Another is a conversation I'm having with him. And God whispered to me. Man, I know what it is to hear his voice in a whisper. And God whispers to me and says, Charlie, the reason believers don't read my word is they don't value it. Help them just to value, just to value my word. See, what you do in life is what you value. You give me your checkbook and your schedules and, and all the other stuff, I'll tell you what you value. I mean, when the girls were young, we took them to an NSYNC concert. You know, Lord help us. <laughs> you know, in McNichols Arena when it was still standing in Denver. And, and uh, you know, we went through the concert. And I have never experienced anything like that in my life. I mean, you could not hear the music because of all the little girls screaming. I'm thinking, hello, we paid money to hear them. And I mean, it was just ear piercing. They screamed, everyone screamed, nons. I'm screaming too, like, get quiet. <laughs> After the concert, we stood out, you know, behind McNichols, McNichols Arena, staring at a bus in the snow because the girls believed Justin Timberlake was in there and they'd get to see him. For an hour, we stood there. You do what you value. What you do is what you value. And a lot of times, listen, if you don't believe that God will speak to you, then you'll never hear him. And see, a lot of times, the reason that we don't hear from him, or the reason this is so controversial, is because some of the things that people have done in the past and said to us, because we've been burned in the past. Maybe a pastor has used the God card to hurt you by saying, God told me that you should do this. And you question whether it was really from, you see, I believe this. Yes, I believe God will speak to me, but I also believe he'll confirm it through you. I've seen that principle all through scripture. I've seen that principle all through my life. When I was a junior in high school, I got invited to a a Sadie Hawkins dance. I don't know if you guys have those, but we have those. It's kind of like hee-haw with a dance. (laughs) I'm serious. It is. (laughs) And uh, a girl will invite a guy, and she pays in in the whole deal. And so I got invited, and I went. And so I went. We're coming home. This girl tells me coming home that, hey, God has shown me in his word that you're going to marry me. I'm thinking... I just want to go to the City Hawkins date. And he didn't tell me that. I wish I had a thought then. God told me some crazy girl is going to tell me we're going to get married. Sometimes we don't hear God speak because we don't know how. This may shock you. It shocked me as well. All the classes I've taken in seminary, do you realize there's not one class that I'm required to take that teaches me, pastors, how to hear from God? Not one. 
Fact is, the class on the Holy Spirit's an elective. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of you out there, maybe it was like me early in my Christian life, that you know what? You just don't know how. You, no one has ever mentored you. No one has ever taught you. Fortunately, God has provided some mentors for me and some other things. Another reason we don't hear God speak to us is we're afraid what he'll tell us. Amen. We're afraid what, he sell, what he will say. In fact, is Exodus, that, 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 that happened. They told Moses, hey, you go up to the mountain. You hear from God. Because we're afraid what he's going to tell us to do. Many times, what keeps us from Scripture, many times what keeps us from him is this, this fact that, you know what? We're afraid what he's going to tell us to do. We're going to afraid what he's going to tell us to quit doing. We're, gonna afraid, we're afraid what he's going to tell us to give. We're afraid what he's going to tell us to do with our time. And so we have great fear. And so it's like we don't want to hear from him. And so in the next few weeks, and I, honestly at this point, I cannot tell you how long this will go. I'm telling you, I could preach all year the different ways that God communicates through to us, whether it's through worship or whether it's through his word or whether it's through circumstances, whether it's through the church, whether it's, I, I could go on. I can teach you, listen, in scripture, there's not a formula. There's not a prescription. Nowhere in scripture. There are guidelines. There are principles. Why? Because this is a personal relationship. I can teach you how to put yourself in a posture to hear from him. But I cannot give you the desire. I cannot give you to where you would value that. And I will tell you this, whether you know it or not, God's speaking to you. Just because you don't hear him doesn't mean he's not speaking. In the South, especially Louisiana, we tell Boudreaux Thibodeau jokes. And uh, so I'm going to tell one. So Boudreaux was worried that his wife was going deaf. And so his fishing buddy, Thibodeau, was a, was a doctor. And so they're out fishing one day. And so Boudreaux tells Thibodeau, says, Thibodeau, he says, I'm worried about my wife. I, th- I think she's going deaf. And, but, you know, she's pretty resistant to this. She's pretty sensitive to this. And she refuses to go to the doctor. And Boudreaux says, oh, no problem. I can give you a simple ear test that you can do, hearing test that you can do for her. And, and then you come back, report to me. He says, when you get home this evening and when she's, she's cooking over the stove and her back is to you, uh, you stand 10 feet away and you say, what's for dinner? If she doesn't respond, you take one step. And you say it again at nine feet, and you say it again at eight feet, and all the way up uh, to you, when you get one foot from her. So Boudreaux did that. He, he got home. He said, what's for dinner? No response. Nine feet, no response. Eight, seven, six, all the way up. And he gets, he gets almost in her ear, and he says, what's for dinner? She says, I done told you nine or seven times, crawfish. <laughs> if you didn't get that, don't tell anyone. But sometimes the problem is, well, a lot of times the problem is not that God is not speaking to us, that we don't value it enough and we don't hear it. Some of you just now getting it. I'm sorry. Okay, let's go to the scripture before I get in trouble. 
understand this. The question so much is, the question is this. Why does he want to speak to you? Why do you want to hear from him? If your motives are impure, you'll never really hear from him. Exodus chapter 19. Scripture says this in verse 17. It's a conversation that Abraham has with God and it's not a lecture. So many times we view it as a, as a lecture and So verse 17 says this, and I'm, I skipped that verse. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So this is really important. There's a group of people hearing God. Okay, there's a group of people at this point that are hearing from him. Verse 20. Then the Lord said to him, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very, very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Abraham knew they had. Abraham was there. Abraham knew the story. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, a couple of things about, three things, if you want to hear from God. And like I say, this just kind of sets us on a journey together. It starts with a desire to hear from him. That's what started me on my journey that's what started everybody else on their journey. It starts to where you and I come to a point that we just have a desire to hear from him. Verse 22 says, so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. And guess what? There were some people that turned their backs. There were some people that heard the first part of the conversation. There were some people that heard a little bit of it. Listen, let me tell you something. This, I always find this interesting, especially when I started preaching. I thought that, you know what, that if I preach really, really, really good messages, then everybody will respond the same way. And what I found was just the opposite, that there are some that would walk up to me with tears in their eyes about how God spoke to them and what God told them and how God applied the Scripture to their life. But then there were some others that walked away and said, eh, did nothing from me, for me. Fact is, Acts, Paul talks about on the, uh, Mars Hills, uh, a sermon that he did there. He says, in every sermon, there's, there's three responses. Even though everybody hears from God, there's three responses. Some will believe, some will mock and scoff. There is a group of people that when a preacher preaches and the word is open, they will walk away and they will mock it to their family or their friends and talk about how crazy that is, how ridiculous that is. They'll make fun of it. And there's another group of people that says, that was very interesting. We'd like to hear more on this subject. That's when, when I learned those principles, I said, there's two groups of people I preach to every weekend. I preach to those who, want, who believe, and I preach to those who want more information on the subject. 
And so it starts with a desire. Listen, it, it was rough starting out. I understand that. To learn to hear from him and learn to read his word. And we're going to help you with that as we get going. The second is this, is you must be still before him. Not only, I mean, you, you'll do what you value. I'll do what I value. You can look into my life and look at how I allocate time or resources differently. And you could tell what I value the same way that I can tell what you value. That you Look, it says, but Abraham, Abraham wasn't like everybody else. Abraham didn't turn away. But Abraham stood. Man, he stood before the Lord and he worshiped. Or it was a posture of, God, I want to hear from you. I want to have a, a conversation with you. And listen, let me tell you something. We are now in and we are headed into a time of our country and world that I believe it is going to become more and more important to be able to hear from him. And get rid of some of the other voices that are speaking into your life that are giving you fear and giving you ulcers and giving you stress and giving you all of that other stuff. Abraham stood, was still before him. And watch this. You must draw near. It wasn't an intellectual exercise for him. So Abraham, see prayer is a conversation. It's not one-sided. It's not you doing all the talking and it's not God doing all the talking. It is a conversation, but please understand this, not a conversation of equals. There are some that pray, but they're telling God how to run things. They're telling God, it's like they're an equal of his. Yes, it's a conversation. No, it is not a conversation of equals. And so Abraham, understanding that in his conversation, says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will, will then you sweep away the place and not spare the 50 righteous who are in it? They're having this conversation. Can you believe saying these things to the God of the universe? God, are you sure? I mean, aren't you worried about collateral damage? Far be it uh, from you to do such a thing. To put righteous to death and with the wicked, so that the righteous fare is the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is, wow, do what is just? And the Lord said, if I find Sodom and, in Sodom and uh, 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham, you know, thinking, maybe, maybe I went too high. He was there. Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, and I am but dust and ashes. Prayer, conversation not of two equals. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of the five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered for the sake of the 40, Abraham, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak, suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, I will do it if I find 30. I will not do it. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. 
Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20. Abraham, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let the Lord not be angry. And I will speak again, but just this once. (laughs) Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Now listen, God knew what he was going to do. Abraham didn't change his mind, but I believe this. I believe God walks away and says, I like that guy. He loves people. I like that guy. He loves a bunch of people that are far away from him. Look at all the conversations that have been in Scripture with Adam and Eve and Noah and and Joshua and Abraham and Moses and the apostle. Look at all the conversations. Acts chapter 10, God speaks to a lost guy, a guy, guy that didn't even know him. Now his message to him was, you need to meet me. And, and we believe that God all of a sudden has gotten laryngitis. He doesn't speak to people anymore. We believe in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And do we believe that the Holy Spirit would speak to us differently than he did in the book? John 16, 12, and 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Who's going to speak to you? The Holy Spirit. He's going to help you to apply the scripture to your life. He's not going to give you a new verse. He's not going to give you new revelation. He's not going to give you a new book of the Bible for a bunch of people to follow. But we look in scripture and we find that he had conversations and see we make this leap and we believe well the God of the Old Testament spoke differently to them than he does to us that he always spoke audibly I mean if he spoke to me audibly I think I would do it do you know in the Old Testament he didn't always speak audibly why did Gideon have to ask for a fleece why did it say they walked by faith Could it be? Yes, he spoke to some audibly. But could it also be that he spoke to some in their innermost spirit like he does to us? And they had to figure it out. I don't think it'd be much faith if God appeared and the earth shook. He said, Charlie, do this and this and this. Just me. The last thing is this, if you're going to hear from God. You've got to develop an intimate relationship with him. Listen, man, I'm telling you, I've got a lot of experience with this. If God does not become your friend now, before crisis, you will never recognize his voice in crisis. I'm telling you. I've talked to too many people. It has a cumulative effect. 
if you don't know his voice before crisis, it's a difficult thing, and it happens, and I know. For people to learn his voice during crisis, and we enter into a relationship with him that he says, we're his friends. In other words, we don't have to be afraid of him when he speaks. Now, right now, think of your best friend on this earth. God is better. Amen. I don't care how good your best friend is. I don't care how much you love him or her. I'm telling you, God is a better friend than your best friend on this earth. And I want you to hear this video. It's a video that Bill Hybels does. Bill Hybels is a pastor in Willow Creek, Chicago. He's in Chicago. The name of his church is Willow Creek. And he tells a story when he was helping guiding his church through this. Please watch these side screens. I want you to hear the, 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 the video and then I'll come back up. Over the years, I've tried to coach people how they can get into a position where they can maybe hear more promptings from God. And this gets a little on the practical side of things, but sometimes that's what you have to do. I remember coaching our whole congregation on these basics one day, and afterwards there was a young advertising executive who approached me after the service, and uh, he said, what kind of world do you live in that you could actually spend time every day, like meeting with God and listening for whispers? He, he said, I don't live in that kind of world. I commute to downtown Chicago, leave the house at 5.30 in the morning, get back at 6.30 at night. I just can't make room for that kind of thing in my life. And I said to him, well, uh, I make room for anything in my life that I think has value. And I think listening to God and hearing his promptings and whispers has a value. So I'm not trying to compare my schedule and yours. I'm just saying I've made room for this in my life. You've got a choice to make in your life. And he walked away. I thought maybe I'd never see him again. Many months later, uh, he came down and saw me after a service, and his countenance was different. He just looked a little bit more centered and maybe a little less frenzied. And uh, he said, I wonder if you and your wife would come over to our house for a dinner. And I said, well, I'll have to check with the boss, but uh, I'll get back to you. And I did, and they lived in the area. And so Lynn and I went over to their home. And uh, we were having appetizers, and he tugged at my sleeve, and he said, come see something I've wanted to show you for a long time. And I didn't know what he was going to show me, but he took me to a room that overlooked his back deck, and there was a rocking chair, a really quality rocking chair. He said, that day you told me that maybe I should, you know, make time to quiet myself before God and read his word and listen to his whispers. He said, I, I went out and I bought a quality rocking chair. I love rocking chairs. And I decided I would make time in the morning to sit in that rocking chair and overlook my back deck, have a cup of coffee, and just read God's Word and see what would happen. And he said, I've been doing this virtually every morning since you gave me that challenge. Uh, several months later, I was quite surprised. I ran into this man after a church service, and he said, uh, could I have a private conversation with you? I'm thinking about leaving the advertising business. And I knew he had been very successful in, in that vocation. And I said, well, tell me about this. And he said, well, you know, I sit in that chair every day. And as I've been searching God's word and listening for promptings, 
uh, I just decided there's something of greater value that I'd like to do with the best hours of my day. And he said, I'm good at advertising, but God's been prompting me a little bit. Maybe, maybe I could help you build Willow. And I said, well, you know, no one's getting any salaries around here. And it's very hard work. And we don't know if the church is ever going to really make it. So I, I, can't, I can't promise you anything, really. And he said, I've done quite well in advertising. My savings can hold me over for a time. I said, well, you go back to that rocking chair and you make sure this is of God because I don't really want to take responsibility for your life and family and so. And uh, several weeks later, he came back and he said, I resigned from my position downtown. He said, I'm ready to come to work tomorrow morning. And I said, really? <laughs> and he did. And he started working as an unpaid employee at Willow and was a fantastic staff member. And the church was able to get a little bit stronger and we were able to pay him a salary uh, again as, as the church uh, began to compile a little more resource. And then it was several years after that he came into my office and uh, he said, I need to have a, a conversation with you. I think God's prompting me to leave Willow and help a friend of mine start a church in Colorado. I said, where did this all come from? He said, well, you know that chair, you know, I still sit in it every morning. And my friend really has a heart to, to start this church in Colorado, and, and he needs help. And he said, uh, God's been prompting me. I think I'll go back into the advertising uh, vocation out west, and maybe I can earn money to support the start of that new church. And I said, really? You really think God's telling you to do this? Maybe you should go back to that chair for a little while and get confirmation of, of this kind of thing. And so he did. And several weeks later, he came back and he said, uh, God confirmed this is what I'm supposed to do. So in just a few months, he packed his family up and he moved to Colorado where he got a job in advertising and, and gave most of the money from his salary to the launch of that new church. And you would think that this story has a happy ending, but it was only a few years after the launch of that church in Colorado that he was sitting in that same chair one day and absorbed a doctor's report that said cancer had enveloped his body and it didn't look good. And he brought that doctor's report uh, right to that chair and prayed over it and asked God to do a miracle and a miracle in his case wasn't gonna happen, but he asked God to give him peace that passes human understanding. And God did answer that prayer. And uh, he faced a very difficult and painful death from the strength that he gained every day in that chair. And there came a day when they had to move him out of that chair and put him in a hospital bed. It was a very tough day. And he wasn't in that hospital bed very long and he died. Uh, the family asked if I would fly to Colorado and give the eulogy at his funeral. I did, it was a very uh, tough thing to do. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, after the funeral was over, I talked to his wife and uh, I said, what are you going to do with that chair? And she said, well, we're going to keep that chair in the family. You know, God changed Tom's life in that chair. God whispered to Tom in that chair. And uh, she was saying, we'd like to pass that chair from one generation to the next to the next. But never underestimate what God can do in a chair or in the front seat of a pickup truck. Some of the carpenters who attend our church just meet with God and listen for whispers, front seat of a pickup. 
Some people do it on a commuter train going downtown. And uh, other people will do it in a coffee shop. It doesn't matter where so much, just that you devote the time to quiet yourself, to listen to God, and to be open to what he might say to you. After Abraham's conversation with God, it says after that, and Abraham went early in the morning back to the place where he stood before the Lord. I am inviting you on a journey that we're going to do together of how to hear from him, how to respond. He may not call you into ministry. He may not call you to do some radical, wild thing. But he may call you to minister to people around you or to walk through difficult circumstances knowing and being able to hear his voice. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And here's the deal. I say this every week with great confidence that God is speaking. The question is, are you hearing from him? What is God speaking to you this evening? Because in 2011, God desires, God will speak to you. And he desires for you to be able to hear from him. He's been speaking to people since the beginning of time. He loved you before you ever loved him. He would like to open doors for you, whether it's in relationships, whether it's professionally, whether it's emotionally. He would love to open doors for you that you feel have been closed for a very long time. He would like to guide you and direct you and take his word and apply it to your life. Your first step may be like Cornelius, and you just need to accept him here tonight. You need to respond to that voice that is calling to you, saying, I've died for you, I've bled for you. Would you start a relationship with me?